There's nothing on you clean. Brand new fingerprints even. You've been expunged. Everything about you is brand new. There's no record of you having even lived before. Hmm? The Bible says you are a new, brand new type of species of a being. You're a God person now. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. The Spirit of God, the eternal God, dwells in you when you're born again. And you haven't been that before. And so what's best for us to do is start off with a clean slate with God. uh, You know, not living the old life anymore. Renouncing the former ways and picking up our new ways in God. Well, when that happens, you become a part of a family of other people who are that same species. So you're adopted into an eternal and worldwide family. And you have a place in that family. And you have a covenant of friendship with everybody in that family. I have gone places... in in uh, the kingdom of God like to meetings and things like that in other cities and I don't feel strange at all I know sometimes people can try to make you feel strange and you can pick up a strangeness about you if you want to but I feel like I belong there yeah. you know because there is a peace that follows every believer and when it's on another believer you partake and you share in that peace so you don't go in there expecting trouble you don't go in there expecting you know, you got to pack because somebody might be after you, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You don't go into the house of God like that. You know, if people are really saved and born again. Now, I notice some outlaw churches where people, you know, take their peace when they go in there. The deacons pull on each other and all that crazy stuff. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the churches of the saints. The family of God. The real believers who have been born of the spirit of God. You are a part of a world wide eternal family that's why you can find a kinship with people where you can go to uh, you can go and visit at somebody's church and you may not have the exact same uh, uh, understanding of God and his word as that group of people does but you can find a place of connection a place of fellowship and a place of kinship with those people because of what Jesus has done it's not because there's so much love there and they're so friendly you know don't play it cheap like that because if they're friends with you this Sunday next Sunday they cannot be friends with you you understand what I'm saying but there's something much bigger than that that causes us to have a a peace and an ease with one another a fellowship and a friendship with one another it's blood bought folks it's much bigger than somebody's emotional response to you and did they treat you nice when you came on that Sunday or did people tend to want to avoid you and treat you funny and all that it's beyond that it's way beyond that because what we have is eternal and it has been paid for by the blood of Jesus and it can never be nullified and it can never be erased you can never uh, get rid of me as a sister in Christ and I can never get rid of you as one you understand what I'm saying uh, we're, we're stuck with each other so to speak for better or for worse you understand what I'm saying and we need this family relationship we need these, these
these friendships that weather all of the storms of life because God has ordained that families support, encourage, pray for, go to bat for, uh, uh, undertake for in, in all areas when we have difficulty. He expects that out of us. That's why he, in the church it was, uh, and I'll give you a good example, when Ananias and Sapphira decided that they would lie about how much money they got for the land that they sold even though it was voluntary on the part of everybody you'll never see in in God's uh, church where people didn't have possession of what they had first and voluntarily brought it to God even under the law where there were were strict uh, regulations about how much each person was to to bring and so of course you know they never did that in the Old Testament either everybody lied about their tithe you know what I'm saying oh well he had a small crop this year that's why it's so little you understand what I'm saying and so that's this has always been in the hearts of people to try and preserve what they had for themselves but it was such a standard in the early church that the Holy Spirit began to minister to people how fellowship was supposed to work in the church and how uh, they were supposed to undertake for one another and so they decided by the Holy Ghost to have all things in common and that's why when people would would, uh, have provision they would bring them to the church and the deacons were assigned to distribute food that was what the deacon did they didn't sit up and try to boss the pastor around back there they would have dropped dead totally on the spot you understand what I'm saying they were to take care of the necessities of the widows and the orphans and the people who were dependent on their Christian family to supply their needs and that's how they survived that's how they lived and so when they lied about what what they were giving uh, they both dropped dead because it was such a high standard that is so important to keep that fellowship family tie friendship with the people of God that somebody who broke it dropped dead that's how serious God was about it it was not about the money it was about the heart and it was about what they felt toward that orphan or that widow sitting in the pew next to them do you really feel enough love to give exactly what you said you were going to give or you're going to take from them and God said you ain't going to do it understand what I'm saying and so he's very serious about us keeping peace with one another as a family of God and he's very serious about us being able to have uh, people who can help us so that we can weather the storms of life you're not in this by yourself you're never alone God has ordained even that he says he puts the solitary or single people into families and so if you're a single person and you're praying you're praying the will of God when you pray for a spouse so that you can create a family for God and and be a family for God so we have this ministry of reconciliation before God this is what, what it's a part of our friendships that last and weather any storm are part of the ministry of reconciliation of the church God has mandated that we love one another as he has loved us as he has loved us love is a giving love and love is a forgiving love one of the first empowerments Jesus gave to the disciples after he rose from the grave was the ability to forgive then he breathed on them at the tomb and said receive ye the Holy Ghost whosoever sends you forgive they are forgiven whosoever sends you retain they are retained what that means is that if somebody sins against you it's like like this 
Let me see what I can get. <laughs> That's not too nice. Um, anybody, give me a piece of tissue. Miss Tony, you got some tissue under your chair? Yeah. Here, honey. Yeah. Just give me one. Yeah. Okay. So, it, sin is like this. If I blow my nose on this tissue and I throw it on you, amen, you receive it. Okay, and just yours until you forgive me for violating your yours personal space. You can't just drop it. You gotta forgive me. I forgive. All right, thank you, Miss Sheree. It was a mistake. And so she's free of my debris. Uh, if she doesn't forgive me, she takes my debris with her. So that's why Lindsay Roberts says uh, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other guy dies from it. You got me. And so those sins are retained on your soul if you don't forgive that person. His sin is like that. It's like a, a nasty little hot potato. <laughs> or if I can say this. See, some of y'all, the, the sticky booger, you can't, you know that booger you took out your nose in class and you tried to get rid of it before somebody saw it on your hand and you couldn't get rid of it? That's what it's like. So everybody knows what I'm talking about now, right? <laughs> right. You shouldn't have messed with it. Now you're stuck with it. Can't get rid of it. Scared somebody gonna see you know you're picking your nose, so whatever. We've all been there, right? And I'm not talking about your husband or your wife, so don't go there with me, okay? Just the thoughts. Not touching anybody, not looking at nobody. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, all right. God mandates that we love one another as He loved us. So He is a forgiving God. He has forgiven us all of our iniquities. That means a desire to sin. He knows it's in there from time to time. He knows when it raises up on you and He forgives you even that. He forgives you your misdeeds. Times when you just rebellious and say you don't care and then you that wears off and you come back and you're sorry. Amen. He forgives us our slip ups when we're doing the best we can and we still goof it up. He forgives everything that doesn't match his character or line up with his word. So he is there to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's a great help because you do it a lot less when you're cleansed. Huh? Hopefully not do it anymore. Some things you can totally get out of your life. You know? But you, you do it a lot less once you're cleansed. If we weren't cleansed, we'd just be dirty and go back to it, you see. But when you're cleansed, there's something about, you know, how uh, kids are when you put their little play clothes on them, they'll go out and play and feel comfortable getting dirty coming out. But oh, when you put that little nice dress on them, you put their little boy in the bow tie. Huh? They go prissy all over the place, want to sit on the couch right and act right and go up to the table and do everything right because they don't want to get dirty anymore. These are my good clothes. I don't want to be dirty anymore. And that's why God cleanses us from all unrighteousness so we know what that feeling of confidence before Him in cleansing is like and we don't want to be dirty anymore. That's why we feel bad when we sin. You know, we, you know and if you don't, you should. And if you don't, you will. Because <laughs> God will make you feel like He feels about it. Amen. When you have your, His Spirit dwelling in you. 
And and then from that place of forgiveness, we can build friendships through His covenant, through His blood covenant. And so we're going to talk about friendships that weather any storm. Whatever storm comes against your life, whatever storm comes against you personally, whatever storm comes against your children, your family, anything that you hold dear, God has provided help for you to weather that storm. Don't ever think you can do this all by yourself because everybody's going to cry out for help one day. Everybody's going to need somebody that they can rely on to hold them steady during difficult times sometimes we it's so it's so abundant to us sometimes as believers we don't even think much about it and we take it for granted a little bit like you take for granted that Pastor Shirley will always be there to pray for you on the phone you know you go to some some of the mega churches and see what you can take for granted over there you know you'll have to find somebody in the church that's not a witch that you can confide in and see if you can get a prayer for somebody do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not all just, you know, wonderful everywhere. But God has ordained that we have families that we can, can weather the storms of life with. So we're to love one another as he loved us because he's provided everything for us. It's so easy to forgive people. You don't even have to be feeling like it. All you need to do before God is mouth the words. God, I forgive that person. I, I may not be feeling it now. Joyce Meyer gave the example once and, and I think this is what endears her to so many people is that she's so honest about you know how God deals with her and we need honest ministers we need honest Christians you know and she was saying that uh, she had gotten a letter from a church that had uh, really persecuted her she got spirit filled she was a part of that church and, and she wanted to do her ministry there and they wouldn't let her do anything so she wound up having to leave but she wrote a, a letter to them as she was departing and thought everything was all good and, and a few years down the road she felt to you know uh, send an offering to them they were doing some fundraising they sent her an angry letter sent the money back and uh, she tried this again and they, you, you know you didn't understand me and so forth and they don't ever talk to us again blah 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 one day her secretary came in and told her there were some people from that church in her office waiting to see her and could they come in and so there she was on short notice and she said when she told me they were there she said I got so angry and so she realized that she had never gone to God and really forgiven them or she would have been cleansed and wouldn't have had a problem at all and so she said for the first time she experienced what it's like to just be really caught off guard with nothing to do and she said she told she got on her on the floor before God she said God you've got to fix me I'm so sorry I forgive these people she said but you've got to get me to the place where I feel like they've never done anything wrong to me she said and if your word if your blood is, is powerful like we believe it is you'll get me there and sure enough by the time she got up off that floor it was all good the people came in to apologize to her and see think if we carry anger animosity and unforgiveness around we'll miss opportunities for reconciliation 
you never know why people are in your life and you never know how God is going to work it so that you can uh, friend those people again. I know the church where we were in first when we got kicked out of there <laughs> when I found out the pastor's father had passed away because I knew they were very close. I sent a nice card and I sent an offering so forth and so on. Never heard from them but you know I know I did my part. You understand what I'm saying? You look for an opportunity to make peace with people. Don't pick up the same argument where you left off the last time you spoke to them. Just let some things be gone. And if you're a Christian, you can let more things go than you know. You know, you can get your whole closet cleaned out. You know, you're, you're, I always talk about the laundry hamper. You know that those four or five pieces is always in the bottom of the hamper that you never get to. You even get them out of there and wash them. You understand what I'm saying? And so we can, can live before God in a way where we have nothing standing between us and another individual whatsoever. Through forgiveness. Through just confessing. They used to call it, uh, the faith people call it uh, forgiveness by faith. You just believe God, take him at his word. If I confess my sins you're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me and so I'm confessing and I'm forgiven and so it's good to know that God provides that he he doesn't require anything from us that he doesn't make provision for so if he's made if he's requiring this from us he's made provision for it in his word and in his grace and in his mercy if you'll do it by faith so because God is more interested in preserving his family he has provided this means for us to have lasting friendships God wants to preserve us as a healthy living family down here on earth he's not pleased with a lot of stuff that we we think we're going through down here you know a lot of this stuff is imaginary you know you'll see things like uh, I know when when uh, the one show that that they had on for a brief time I think it was two episodes of a, a program about women preachers and one of the women who was on there was very angry at people who didn't like the show well if you don't like it you don't like it you know this is still America if you even if it's a Christian thing you know you don't have to to like everything that's that has Christ's name on it because a lot of it doesn't glorify him or it doesn't suit you you understand what I'm saying and so uh, it was amazing to me how she built herself as, as the chief prophetess and then how small she got you understand what I'm saying you, you indict yourself sometimes it's best to just be quiet and not say but her whole thing was that all these people are jealous of me well listen we got the same daddy we got the same savior we got the same holy spirit we got the same gifts of the spirit accessible to us we got the same faith what is there to be jealous of you understand what I'm saying we have the essentials we all have the essentials from God and he's no respecter of persons he's not cheating some out of some things and giving more to others you know she may have more material things but I tell you one thing I'll never get on there and confess that somebody's jealous of me you understand what that is so small that is so very small and, and when you the minute you start pointing the finger at people and they 
they repent, then you start accusing the blood of Jesus of not doing its job in getting them cleansed. You understand? You get yourself in big trouble getting petty and, and carnal about these things. And so that's why God's created forgiveness to keep us as a family, keep us as a healthy family. Because the day will come when some of the people maybe that criticize you have your gift that you need to get your healing, that you need to get your deliverance, that you need to get a breakthrough somewhere. And so we can't afford to break fellowship with anybody and, and say it's forever. We have every reason, though, to reconcile and obey God. And so we're going to talk about a couple of, well, we may get to both of them, but I had a couple of situations I was going to share with you to show you how the blood covenant of God allows us to weather any storm through divine friendships. The covenant is God ordained, uh, God has ordained his covenant and has ordained Christian family friendships. Family of God, <coughs> friendships, God commands us to love one another. In Hebrews 13.1, it says, let brotherly love continue. In other words, he has set love among his people. And he doesn't want it to be interrupted. He wants it to continue at all times. It's not to be interrupted. He said, be not forgetful to entertain strangers even. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in prison as bound with them. So you have a burden for them and you don't feel totally free yourself until they are free. Amen? And, and all those who suffer adversity as being yourselves also. So you are to identify with people in their hardships even. Don't, you know, walk by and be thankful that that's not you. You understand what I'm saying? It could be. Huh? And sometimes it once was and will be in the future. Amen? And so you don't know how people get ensnared in their difficulties and trials. And you don't know what's caused them. So, And, and it's always good to identify. The Bible says to rejoice with those that rejoice. Weep with those that weep. And mourn with those that mourn. So we are to identify. Never look down on people because of difficulties and misfortunes. Because things can happen in a, in a moment. You know, but God rescues us out of all of them. But He wants us to be able to go to one another in brotherly love and seek help from one another. The Bible is full of, of uh, commands and scriptures that tell us to bear one another's burdens, to agree with one another in prayer that God will do whatever we ask if we come into agreement. And that implies friendship, that implies trust, and that implies laying down your life and being humble before a person so that you can get get some work done by God he tells us to confess our faults one to another instead of fighting with one another like we're being accused of something you know sometimes we need to just go to a person and say you know I've been struggling with I can't sleep too well or I can't you know do this and do that that person God will move on that person to pray for you and release you from something you've been dealing with probably half your life you know some people just have perpetual problems that kind of don't go away you know uh, sometimes it can be uh, 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 something where you need healing from it or something that where the enemy keeps bugging you and you can't find the key to get 
delivered from this mental thing that we carry sometimes. And, and just knowing that God has somebody in the body of Christ who he can move on to pray that prayer and release you and help you to weather that storm. You know, we can be a lot more trusting of one another. We really can because the body of Christ is trustworthy. You know, there's nothing wrong with us. You know, we may look at each other funny, but there's nothing wrong with her. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. We're all good as far as God is concerned. And we are trustworthy. You know, people always, I, I was in a, um, a women's ministry many years ago. That's how I got started being trained in ministry. The buzzword was always, well, you know, we don't want to say so-and-so because it can turn into gossip. I said, y'all so scared of gossip, you can't get no work done for God. You know what I'm saying? What do I care? People are going to talk about you anyway. What do I care what they say? And God allows you wisdom so you can be discreet, so that you don't have to spill all your guts to people all the time, you know? Or sometimes he might move on you to give a testimony and you spill it out in front of everybody. So everybody knows your old drama. You know what I'm saying? So we have, we're all the same people. Why are we so afraid of each other sometimes? There's nothing wrong with us. We are totally trustworthy. You know, you may not get the right answer from people sometimes or the one you want. But at least you need to know you reached out. And when God sees you reaching out, then he can help you get over the difficulty that you're in. So it's a good thing folks it's a really good thing to be uh, understanding that there's help for you there's hope for you there are gifts in the body of Christ that God has placed in each and every one of us where we are able to help one another through the power of the Holy Spirit and that's what you're tapping into you're not tapping into somebody's head or somebody's advice you're tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit and so the body of Christ like your human body it's a self-healing body yeah amen it's like you know when you cut yourself or something there are mechanisms that go into play in your body that rush to the scene of the accident to repair it immediately. So within your human body, you have all the cells and all the the, uh, armament to repair every onslaught that comes to destroy your body. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. I don't care how sick you are. I don't care how deranged you are. What the problem is, there is a gift in somebody in God's body that can help you. You just need to ask God to lead you to that individual. And it'll always be another person. You understand what I'm saying? Why? Because he wants us to learn how to depend on one another. Because the world is not where your help is. The world can give you some temporary relief sometimes from your difficulty. But your true help is in the body of Christ. It really is. And so we need to understand that and we need to appreciate it even more. So God has a covenant of strong friendship which binds us together through the blood of Jesus. We are a family of God and we have strong friendships one with another. Hebrews 10.24 He says... 23, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another 
to provoke unto love and to good works. So instead of us provoking each other by, you know, our little pieces of jewelry, our new car or something like that, provoking us to jealousy, why don't we provoke one another to love and to good works? Amen. Find somebody who's a good soul winner and connect yourself with that person. You know, when in Detroit, we, we do go out in pairs. You know, we're still trying to build our congregation, and we should it all the time. But we still go out in pairs to, uh, uh, you know, when we play, go out and pass out the flyers for our meetings and stuff. But we'll go house to house on, on those times where we don't have to pass out the flyers. We'll go door to door, house to house, or go to a parking lot somewhere in, in front of a Walmart or something, and just uh, minister to people. And soul win, and and some of the some people have amazed me that you know if you just look at them and you hear their conversation every day, you don't think of them as big soul winners. But there's uh, you know Renee the uh, Nene that passed away a few years back. She would always shock you with something that she knew because she's always so easygoing, you know. And her conversation a lot of times would be on the edge, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she was the only one Mac was always scared of her. I said, well, he's scared of her. I said, she was pretty powerful. But she would, she would, she's one of those people I call appropriate, you know. If everybody else is ministered and they're out of ammunition, she would come up with the thing to say, you know, you know and that kind of stuff. And, and, and it's just good to know people by the spirit like that, you know. And so there are people that, that you know, you just know that when you go out with them, you don't have any fear that you'll you'll be able to minister to somebody effectively because they know how to get in that flow and wait for God to give them something to say, and then they just say it. You know, she was uh, really funny. It was really funny. I think Shannon Crowley was out with her one time, and they were passing out flyers and. And uh, Miss Juana was, uh, you know, she's kind of organizes everybody and gets everybody together. And they were looking at the heat and looking at Juana. She was saying, stay in, you know. She said, get out there in that heat. And so Renee was was, uh, walking and and they were going to the next building. And and she she said, Shannon said, if Nene just stopped and said, Jesus is hot. Give us a breeze. And Shannon said, all of a sudden, this. So Nene had her miracles working for her too. And a true relationship with God. But see there are gifts like that, the body of Christ you never tap into. You know, just walking past people or keeping the same attitude about people. But when you get into working for God and, and what where we really need God to come through, you find out where everybody's ability, strength and, and need and desire is so it's just good to know people by the spirit like that so he says consider to provoke one another to love and to good works because that's what we are to do we're to provoke one another to love to fellowship to friendship you know when you get together uh, under the things of God and, and just tie in with one another and work with one another around the things of God you form lasting friendships where you begin to really appreciate people
And it says, God commands us to love one another, to let brotherly love continue, not to be interrupted. The word brotherly love there really means compassion. It means to be tender-hearted toward one another, not hard-hearted. Hard-heartedness is which causes us to not appreciate the gifts that God has put in people. It causes us to form an, an attitude or an opinion about them that gets hardened in there and it never changes no matter how much those people grow no matter how much they bless you you come right back to that adamant stone in there that says you know they're they're not this they're not that remember when they did so and so 50 years ago you understand what I'm saying and so hardness of heart uh, draws from iniquity it draws from uh, um, a lack of forgiveness a lack of desire to forgive and to move on so that you can let brother love continue but compassion is a force of love that surrounds a person and won't let go the force of compassion that word compassion compass means to surround and it means to hold fast to that individual that's how Jesus would heal people because the Bible says he was moved with what compassion and would not let go of them until he got them healed look at how he worked with some of those people Uh, the lady that that had the daughter that was having the seizures at home and, and she kept you know he kept talking to her he called her a dog and she said well at least the dog get crumbs from the table and she finally confessed her faith to him he worked with her until he got her to release her faith so that he could heal her daughter that's compassion folks compassion is not having somebody come up to the altar for prayer and if they don't feel anything or don't get anything or they, and then accuse them of not having enough faith now that's not compassion compassion works with people by the Holy Ghost not by your, your thoughts that you think well maybe if I have them run around three times that might release something you know what I'm saying it, it's the compassion of God that digs deeper into the realm of the spirit to get that answer for that person see there's an answer we think might work and if it doesn't work we have to continue and dig deeper so that we can get the answer that they need from God that will release them from any kind of bondage that they're in so compassion is a compelling love that provokes us to respond positively to it they said people could not resist Jesus' words because of the compassion on them you know many times when we have our healing school and miracle services you can feel it's like a cloud that comes in and you can feel it I would call it the, the ooze because there are times where I could feel it creeping down the aisle or creeping over the congregation and that's the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to feel the right way about people so that we can help them you know everything that we need is right there in God it's it's not something that you you just don't have it and you can't help people it's you just got to keep digging a little deeper so compassion helps us to dig deeper to find God's answer so that we can get people relieved of their oppression and their suffering it's a good thing and that's the love that surrounds God's people and we can use it toward one another we can help one another if we have compassion I know a lot of times we get worn out with one another I'm there with so and so you know but then 
the love of God compels you to go back again, you know, and, and, and renew that relationship and all that kind of stuff. So love is a compassion is that brotherly love is compassion that surrounds and won't let go and won't let up. It is a compelling love that pro- provokes us to respond positively to it and to others. God wants us not to interrupt this flow of brotherly love with selfishness, resentment, or anger. Amen. Fear also interrupts the flow of brotherly love. Any of the, the carnal negative forces, any of the forces from darkness will interrupt the flow of brotherly love. So we are to resist those forces and continue to love people. You ever get in a situation, you get yourself all messed up and you made up your mind, you ain't going to smile at somebody, you ain't going to like nobody today, and then all of a sudden God just taps you on the shoulder and says, now, come on now, let's stop this. And he starts to soften your heart. Or, you know, many times the Lord won't even speak to you. You'll find your heart softening anyway. Amen? Toward that person. Because God wants to help us keep these friendships. He meant for these friendships that we have in him to last. So he wants us not to interrupt the flow of brotherly love. And we have the power to do this. We can have friendships that weather any storm of misunderstanding, immaturity, impatience, any shortcomings on our part. We can have friendships that weather those storms. So relationships, uh, say a, a breach in a relationship is never final. Where you don't get along with somebody, that's never final. Because God has put inside of each and every one of us the ability to reconcile. We just have to expect him to be able to do that and make provision for it. David and Jonathan were not blood relatives, but they had a blood covenant that was stronger than a family relationship and it was voluntary. So what we have in the body of Christ is the same kind of relationship. It's a stronger relationship than a family relationship. We've all experienced it. We've all got in-laws and outlaws. That's why you're so glad sometimes to get in the church to be around somebody who's sane and who speaks your language. Amen. And see, the devil will follow you to church and try to interrupt that. He don't want you to have peace with anybody. He doesn't want you to feel good about anything or anybody. And so he'll come in and say, well, look at her. Look at her looking like that again. See how she always looking when they hang on her. But you just let the love of God begin to rule you. And let it rule and sit on the throne of your heart. And you'll be able to have good fellowship and good relationships. You may not have a lot in common with somebody. But you can have peace with them. You can feel good about your relationship with them. And you can feel good about them as a person. You can be genuinely happy for them when they're blessed and they prosper. You can really feel that. And so it's a good thing to understand that God has provided these kinds of relationships for us. So in 1 Samuel 18, start in verse 1, we'll go there. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now in, in our covenant with God, your spirit is knit with everybody who's born again. With David and Jonathan, their souls were knit because they didn't have 
the Holy Spirit to bring them together. And so what they would do, they would work out covenants with one another through their souls, through their decision to be friends, through their decision to undertake for one another. A blood covenant uh, in the Old Testament times or in, in Eastern culture was one that allowed a person to bond with another person to strengthen them as one. In a blood covenant, it was customary to exchange certain possessions implicating that you were pledging your support in that area based on what they had. For instance, you'll see where Jonathan gave David his garment that he wore, which represents your clothing, represents your status in life, your position, who you really are. If you have land, if you have a title, if you have skills, all of that is represented by your outer garment. He gave him his belt. Your belt held your weapons. And what that means is that I will fight for you. And if somebody comes against you, you can count on me to be in the fight with you so that I can help defend you because I love you more than my very life. And so they pledged their support as far as that was concerned. Many times they would exchange a ring or something of value, which means I pledge my riches to support you. So if your kids get taken to debtor's prison, Remember the sons of the prophet that couldn't pay their bills? Daddy left them broke? Well, if they had a real blood covenant with somebody, that person was supposed to come and pay their bills for them. That's why she called the man of God because God, she and her husband had a covenant with God and my boys are not supposed to go to prison. You're supposed to bail them out. You understand what I'm saying? You were never alone when you served God. You're not alone now when you serve God. Amen? You have a, a, a relationship with God where God has people in the body of Christ that are stationed there to help you in your time of difficulty. When the storm comes against your life, you have help and you have an all you got to do is ask God to send that help to you. Don't ever get dependent on people and see this is a mistake we make. We we think if we get around the right person and drop a hint Huh? Bread is going to show up on the doorstep. You know, and that might happen sometimes. If you're a baby Christian, God lets you do a lot of stuff. But He wants you to ask Him for what you need. See? You might be able to get a need met, but God might uh, have you be known by somebody who can give you a better paying job or give you a job if you don't have one. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God's help is always the best help to look for. And so God has ordained that they be, there be help for us because he wants us to know that if we, if, if, in Luke 6.38 it says, Give and it be given to you. Men will give unto you. I will cause people to come, real people who can really help you, and put into your lap the things that you desire and the things that you need for life. And so when we have difficulties in life, you have to understand that God has ordained this way for you to be helped. So when David and Jonathan formed their covenant of strong, they called it in those days a covenant of strong friendship. Which meant that, and there were about ten steps in a blood covenant. And it would end with a covenant meal. And we know that as the Last Supper, according to the New Testament. That was Jesus' covenant meal with the disciples. 
to start the church. That's us. And so there was a covenant cut to end the old covenant and to bring in the new. And so that covenant was signed in the blood of Jesus when he went to the cross. David and Jonathan more than likely uh, cut, cut their wrists and the blood would run into the palm of the hand and they would mingle the blood with a bloody handshake. And that's how that blood covenant was, was ratified. And what that meant was my blood is mixed with your blood. Me, my descendants, and your descendants are all families. Our children will never fight. Amen. Amen. They will undertake for one another. When you are a Christian, you bring other Your children are born again. Then they come into a family of God. They don't fight with people in the church and they are good Christians and they help the church and all that kind of stuff. It's the same concept of covenant that we have here. And your children will be mighty upon the earth just like theirs will. We share the same promises. Everything's the same with us in the Lord. And so David and Jonathan cut this covenant and they didn't know what was coming ahead of them. When we're born again, we never know what's coming ahead of us. We don't understand what's coming. And so when we understand that we are in a covenant with other brothers and sisters in the Lord, expect good things. Expect good relationships. Don't go into church dreading being there because you think people are staring at you or you this person doesn't like you. That's a horrible way to live. Because number one, that's not true. You're in a family of holy people who serve a righteous God who will do anything to please God and if that means coming out of their pocket to help you they will do that to help you you understand what I'm saying if this is not something where you can just say well you know that wasn't a good church because of so and so and such and such God's people are much bigger than that we're much stronger than that and we have much more power than that to obey God so all we have to do really is obey God on one another's behalf and the whole family of God is totally taken care of we're totally taken care of don't be ashamed if you have a need don't ever be embarrassed about what the devil's trying to do to you because I tell people I said your need only represents what the devil is trying to do to you and he's trying to get all of us so in that sense we're all in the same boat so in uh, verse 1 he says uh, Jonathan loved David as his own soul and Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house so even Saul was uh, uh, participating in allowing David to become family with his son Jonathan and Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul now when we are born again you're automatically in covenant with me so you don't have to decide to love me and I don't have to decide to love you we have the love of God already inside of us and it's shed abroad by the Holy Spirit all we have to do is step out and and start reaching out to one another and obeying what the love of God tells us to do towards one another Jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him gave it to David and his garments even to his sword and his bow and to his girdle or the, the belt that went around his middle and David went out wheresoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely now something happened to David after this exchange 
it says he went in and out and behaved himself wisely which means that when he when say when they say going in and out that means to war so David went out to fight Saul and Jonathan stayed back in the palace but when David went out he went out with the strength of two men he went out in the strength of, of Jonathan he went out with because Jonathan was heir to the throne of Israel he went out with the authority of a king over the enemies this thing changed him this exchange changed David to the point where you know we know him as the kid who killed Goliath that was one aspect of his ability he got that directly himself from God but then when he came into covenant with Jonathan who had more than David he had more power on his side he had more authority he had more backing he had more everything then he was strengthened so that he would behave himself wisely that was never spoken of David before this time if you look at what he did in fighting Goliath he went by his own experience as a shepherd boy yeah. now he's moving up Wheezy yeah. he got the king's robes on he got the king's son's robes on now and he's walking out in that kind of authority and the wisdom of God came upon him because of that covenant that he had with Jonathan and we and I can claim that as well if you see somebody in the body of Christ doing well you say Father I thank you for that to follow my life because you're no respecter of persons what you've done in that person's life you will do in mine as well and if you need that person to pray for you and lay hands on you whatever it is that you need from that individual you go and get what you need from them and don't hold back if God's moving you to do these things I wrote a friend yesterday sister uh, June that came to do the interview you know she's just wanting everything she could get she said all y'all lay hands on me (laughs) you know they're all grabbing it you know why because when you have these opportunities in God they don't run around every day they don't come around every day and so you get as much as you can get and humble yourself and don't act like you know everything you understand what I'm saying you you dumb it down a little bit to help yourself you know just find out God why am I here what am I you know I remember him sending me to different churches and ministries to minister to people a lot more earlier in the ministry than later and and I later came to understand why he was sending me to learn things from people you know and there are many many, I deal with preachers all the time been dealing with them for a long time you know and and I can tell you that when you invite them in the ministry most of them come in like they're God's gift you know what I'm saying I mean they are but they're not not in a degree that you know what I'm saying with their imaginary entourage and their imaginary all this stuff you know <laughs> paparazzi hiding from them well this ain't that kind of meeting y'all this, this is a God meeting but uh, you know they come in and they don't want to humble themselves and you know it's well brother do you know you've traveled you know do you need prayer for anything oh I get mine at the altar okay cool it's yours wherever you get it then you know what I'm saying I mean you know you want to help people and as ministers if, if you're a host you can pray for people you know and help them and so forth but you get a lot of funny stares especially from men ministers because they think women don't have nothing to help them unless you're sleeping with them and I didn't say that but see people miss a lot of their 
their opportunity to get strength a lot of their opportunity for impartation some of them don't even believe in it they don't believe in laying hands and, and you know you can receive from a person something of benefit and so when you when you come into that you have to understand what God has you for you have to have all ears open and all eyes open God taught me how to to perform hospitality for his people through places where I went to preach but I also had to understand what else was going on in the situation you know you don't just turn yourself off from learning anything from people even how to serve and how to minister to God's servants you understand and so when you can can put yourself in that place of understanding who you are and how much help you need for things you can understand a lot very quickly to this day people brag on our hospitality in this ministry. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Visitors always do, you know, and, and so they, they said we don't get treated like this when we go places. They put us in a hotel, we can't even go out and find a sandwich, you know, until somebody calls for us. So and these are the things that God taught me because I understand that when I go places, I'm there to be helped by these people. There is a gift everywhere that you go among God's people that will be a benefit to you if you look for the good. If we can quit looking at people's flesh and weakness and picking each other apart and disliking this person and I don't like that about that person, we can get somewhere. Because there's going to come a storm in your life where that relationship is going to be what you need to rely on to get you over. It's going to be relationship, folks. It's not always your great prayer life and how much you know of the word and how long you pray and how much you fast and all but it's relationship and relationship to God and to his people you can never negate God's people as being important in your relationships so David and and Jonathan formed this covenant of strong friendship in verse 4 we see Jonathan giving all of his military strength over to David He gave him his belt in verse 5. David got the benefit of it. He behaved behaved himself wisely in war and he came back home, nothing missing, nothing broken. Every time he went out to war. David was able to survive Saul's jealousy and his desire to kill him. So when you look at David and Saul, you see the proper way for a Christian to deal with somebody who for some reason does have a jealousy over them. In verse 11, uh, let me see, in verse 9... Well, let me just read in 6. It came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with, with tablets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women played, uh, women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, David his ten thousands. So Saul's mad about a song. Huh? And David is saying, that's my song, don't mess it up. He mad about it too, but he can't. You understand what I'm saying? Saul was very angry. 
And the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed a thousands. What could he have more but the kingdom? So he starts to look at David as somebody who's going to take the throne away from him. He little does he know that his son Jonathan has already given his portion over to David. Whoever survives is going to remain the king. You see what I'm saying? And so Jonathan has has given over to David. The Bible says the lesser is always blessed by the better. So you don't see David giving Jonathan anything. He has nothing to give. Huh? Because he's got lesser status than he does. This is typical of a covenant. That's why we don't give Jesus anything except, you know, our sin. And then he gives us his righteousness and we move up from there. We never move back. We never move down. We have nothing to give. But our repentance and our desire to turn away from our sinful ways and give our sin to him so that we can go on and live righteously. He gives everything to us, folks. All we do is get out of our own way. And so he says, Saul was very angry. It displeased him. Verse 9, Saul eyed David from that day forward. Y'all know how that goes. Right. The stink eye, the evil eye. I'm looking at you, looking at you, looking at you. Or you know how some people roll their eyes when they come in. They don't want to look at you and speak. So they, you know, they eyeball you. Eyes can do stuff. This is the truth. They speak volumes. It came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. Well, you know, God released the anointing from him and what was there was there. And he prophesied in the midst of the house and David played with his hand as at other times. So really David was hired as Saul's minister to sing and minister healing to him when that tormenting spirit would come over him. So David was accustomed to Saul and his bad moods and he had gotten comfortable around them. But in verse 11 it says, Saul threw his javelin and said, I will kill David even to the wall with it. And David jumped out of the way and while twice he tried to kill him just with his javelin and David escaped. So this you see again the power of protection that comes over David because of his covenant with Jonathan. I would say Jonathan Jonathan made covenant with David right in the nick of time. Because you know and I know from, from reading this story that there's a great storm coming in David's life. A great storm. Where he will have to run from Saul for many, many years. Hide from him. But stay in righteousness and keep from killing Saul in self-defense or in out-and-out murder. And all of that protection, that wisdom, that knowledge, that understanding comes from his relationship with Jonathan. Where he has the wisdom not only that David carried in himself from his experience with God, but now he's picking up Jonathan's wisdom as well. So he's acting really like a king's son, even though the king is trying to kill him. Do you see that? Whereas Jonathan would not lay a hand against his own father, that ability and that power and that desire now falls on David because of what Jonathan did for him in exchanging coats with him and weapons with him in that covenant. So really when Saul is when David is running from Saul, it's Jonathan who's restraining David. Wow. David's not acting like himself. Huh? Yes. You know and I know if David picked up a lion by his beard and hit him upside the head and killed him, he can really do away 
through it Saul in a heartbeat and so when he falls in the covenant comes in the covenant with Jonathan that angry out of control self defensive part of him is restrained and now he acts like a king's kid like you and I do when we come in the covenant with God we are king's children we don't act the same we are heirs we are patient people we can wait for our blessing we don't have to cut throat people at the job and step on each other and kiss up the people to get somewhere we can act in dignity and respect of all people and honor God and honor people who are over us because of that robe that comes upon us that dignity that comes upon us to act as king's kids and not like animals and so when David comes into the palace he Jonathan and, and this is just the way I look at it Jonathan really takes a liking to David and Jonathan begins to look at David and wish he could help him with some things and the best way you can help somebody is to come into covenant with them and that's why God makes us a, a family in covenant is so that we can help one another to gain dignity gain strength gain power gain anointing gain everything that we need for a good life many times we you know when when ministers look at the sheep and they they see they see your potential in God they see I see great potential in everybody that I look at and so many times my heart is toward helping you to come outside of yourself and recognize who you really are on the inside you know sometimes that's why you know preachers get in trouble we preach kind of hard to people and you know can't you do better than that you know don't you realize who you are what you could do with your life if you were just and see the goods are there the potentials there we're not just giving you a pep talk about some maybe and something that might be someday there's a seed of that really in you that's growing that we want to bring out and, and that we want to see prosper and flourish but the flesh keeps cramping it down and I can't get to it and you know all that kind of stuff and it is a challenge and so it's a blessing that we are in covenant with one another where little by little if there's something that I can impart to you that causes that good part to grow and and come out and get stronger and kind of overtake your life and and poke through and and come through and, and bring you into a place of greater blessing that's what the preaching is for it's to bring that out of you it's not to beat you down because you're a bad person you know and I think most of you are more mature than that by now you understand what I'm saying but it's to cause that better part inside of you to grow and prosper and flourish and break out of that shell that's trying to hold it down too many times we don't know our potential until we get in situations that demand us to pull in a little bit and, and come in a little bit and come up a little bit higher in God and then we can walk in the real dignity of God that he's ordained for all of us to walk in to be people who are connected with God whole people prosperous people confident people flourishing people all of that kind of stuff that's what's inside of us see? and that's what God wants to bring out and so David was able to experience this because of his strong covenant with Jonathan Jonathan was able to impart all of these things to David 
And so David was able to walk as Jonathan would walk in those situations. And that was a tremendous blessing to David. Amen. Uh, in First Samuel, let me see, where do I want to go? 19. We see David escaping Saul that time. And over here in 19 verse 1. Saul is unable to kill David because the Bible says David acts wisely. So he's able to escape every time he tries to kill him. 19.1 Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and all the servants and told them to kill David. So now Saul is getting a conspiracy together. So he thinks that he can get Jonathan and the servants to kill David but Jonathan already has a covenant with David where he swore not to take his life and so now Jonathan has to devise some kind of plan so that he can preserve David's life and he can also stay on good terms with Saul his father so now it's fallen on him and I believe Jonathan had the ups on David in a lot of areas we don't see a lot of his interaction with people and have much evidence of this but he is the one who masterminded this whole thing for David to be able to preserve his life and escape he is the one who masterminded ways for David to know if Saul was angry at him and what was going on in the palace he was able to feed David information without being detected himself and he was able to keep his own life see there's a way in God for everything to work out for our good you see we don't ever have to call an end to a friendship or call an end to any kind of relationship just because we're at our wits end for what to do there's a way in God for everything to be reconciled everything to be made right everybody to be at peace because there's a wisdom in God that works all of this out for everybody's good not just for your good but for everybody for your children for your family everybody in your family there's no reason to get impatient about blessings from God because God has worked all of these things out for you already whatever you're praying for just continue to believe God for it because it will arrive and it will arrive on time it won't be damaged it won't be old it won't be moldy it'll be exactly what you ask for because God has a way to work all of these things out through his wisdom through his gifts through his ability through one another for us helping one another it's a great way that God uses his people to help one another and so rely on that understand that don't get defensive about you know uh sharing and what your life is about and all that kind of stuff you know sometimes you get to these places in your life where you feel like uh, nobody means you any good or you work your own problems out yourself and just as sure as you say that God will put you up against a wall somewhere where you have no recourse but to cry out and believe God to raise up somebody and it's always the least likely person that you thought would be a help and a blessing to you is who God raises up to bless you and help you sometimes you don't need material things you need encouragement sometimes you need a word just to carry you to the next day because that next day is where your breakthrough comes and so God uses all of his people to do those things you, you can't you can't look at anybody as not being capable 
of doing something to help you. You never know where your help is going to come from. Then put it on anybody to, to say a word that will encourage you and to help you. And so Saul is, is now got his son in league with him to murder David. He's got all of his, he's got the whole place conspiring against David. And that's the way devils operate. If they can't get you by themselves, they'll get a team of people to start to speak against you. You know, you see it in the workplace a lot. You know, you'll see somebody who's different from everybody. God bless the people who are different. Because if we were all cookie cutter, nothing would ever change and nothing would ever be a blessing for anybody. So they'll get somebody who's different. They don't like them because they're not friendly or they don't do this or they don't do that. And so the devil does this. His position against you is weak anyway because God's strong and he knows that. And he knows who's a Christian and who's not and he knows God will come to bat for his people without fail. And so he figures if he can get the more people he can get to team up against you, the more power he has and the more he can intimidate you and get you to to quit yourself or not come to work that day or start getting sick all the time so they can fire you or anything like that. And so when the enemy starts to mount up like that, many times we'll pray or cry out to the Lord and sometimes the least likely person in the workplace will have your answer for you and will have your help for you. I heard somebody say that the other day. She said, Miss, that was a lady I didn't like and she came and helped me and did so and so for me. And so God will raise up somebody to help us and be able to get us to the next place so that we can weather these storms. That's all they are. They are storms. Don't let them take you under. But there's help for you in the friendship covenant of God that he has among his people that will help you get through anything. That's what we're here for. We're here to help one another. We're not here to always challenge one another. Amen. Or put each other down. You know, the mistrust and all that in the body of Christ. You know, that stuff needs to stop because we are the most trustworthy people. Sometimes we we watch too much CNN with their bad report about Christians instead of reading our Bible and looking at the people that you would go to for help if you ever needed anything. You're certainly not going to go to the world. People in the world don't even like and trust each other. You know what I'm saying? They they fight each other. And certainly you as a believer, you're not going to go to the world for help. You're going to go to God and he's going to raise up somebody in his household to help you. Amen. You might need favor at, at a place where you purchase or something like that to make sure your credit goes through. You know how we sweat everything. Like the devil can really stop us from getting something from God. You know? I want to sweat everything. I like that uh, lady on the uh, commercial about her FICO score. Yeah. And she put her feet on his desk. She said, my question is, what can you do for me? You know why? Because she, she got the paper. She got the score. She knows she's approved of. Amen? And that's what we as believers need to understand. We're already approved of by God. Amen? We got everything that we need. But we need to hold one another in a lot higher esteem, I believe, in order to tap into the maximum that God has for us. If we'll do that, we'll have it just about right. You understand? Just about right. 
So Jonathan and, and David's friendship weathers this storm also. Amen. They abide by their covenant. Jonathan disobeys his father and chooses to be loyal to David. In 1 Samuel 20 verse 2. We'll go to verse 1. David fled uh, from Naoth and Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What's my iniquity? What is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, you shall not die. That's a covenant term. We said that to one another. Amen. You shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. We say that to people all the time when they ask for prayer. So and so has cancer. He will not die. He will live and declare the works of the Lord. You always speak life when you have a covenant with God. He says, my, Behold, my Father will do nothing, either great or small, but he will show it to me first. How did Jonathan know that? Well, he was in training to be king. His father shared everything with him. He said, Why should my father hide this thing from me? He said, It's not so. He said, I won't hear of it. In other words, <laughs> change your confession. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Don't believe the doctor's report. You shall not die. You will live and declare the works of the Lord. Then David swore moreover and said, Your father certainly knows that I found grace in your eyes. And he said, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. I hear David's desperate. He knows that one false move and he's history. Saul will kill him. And he says, Jonathan said to David, whatsoever your soul desires, I will do it even for you. Doesn't that sound like God? See, these people acted on God's behalf toward one another. So they were able to speak words of salvation and comfort and rescue to them. Jonathan said, verse 5, David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is a new moon and I should not fail to sit with the king at meat. But let me go that I may hide myself in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me, then he will say, David earnestly asked leave of me that he might return to Bethlehem for the evening sacrifice. So David and Jonathan set up this scenario where David has an excuse for not being in the palace without trying to arouse Saul's suspicion that David knows he's trying to kill him and he's running from him. Jonathan tells David, he says, I'll find out what my father's thoughts are toward you and I'll meet you in the field. He said, you go out and hide in the field and I'll uh, practice my bow and arrow and let one of my servants run out and retrieve the arrow. So if the arrow comes near you, you know my father's trying to kill you. And if the arrow is not that far away, then you'll know he's not. And sure enough, the arrows fell toward David and he knew that Saul was trying to kill him. But Jonathan helped David weather this storm. David eventually escapes Saul's uh, threats to kill him over and over and over again to the point where eventually Jonathan and Saul are both killed on the battlefield in the same day and then David rises up as king of Israel but it starts with a covenant with another believer that is strong and helps him weather these many storms that start to brew and when it gets so big that David has to finally flee then he is in God's care but he always knows that Jonathan will defend him and help defend his life if he ever needs it 
the same thing with David for Jonathan. When David did get to be king, he searched for many, many years to find any of the descendants of, of Saul to bless them. Remember uh, David's, uh, Saul's grandson Mephibosheth when, they, when David was fighting against Saul for real and uh, well the Philistines were fighting but Mephibosheth was, was a small child and his nurse picked him up and they were running so fast that she dropped him and both, broke both of his feet and so he was lame in his feet all the days of his life until one day David finds out that Mephibosheth is still alive and he sends men to go down and get him and Mephibosheth said to himself well I can't run I can't do nothing I'll just stand here and cry or weep or something but it's curtains for me because certainly he thought David was coming to kill him because that's what you did you killed all your enemies and the descendants of all of their enemies but God God had arranged amen to spare his life way ahead of time through a covenant that his father cut with a shepherd boy that was hired by his father to play music for him. Who would have ever thought somebody so low would get to be so high? But it happens in God. See, it happens to all of us. Amen? It happens to all of us all of the time. God will elevate us based on our relationships with his body, folks, with people in the body of Christ. He elevates you according to those relationships. You pick relationships always try to get around people that are higher than you in some aspect you know more wisdom more knowledge I don't care if they make you feel nervous the whole time you're around them you understand what I'm saying sometimes people who have possessions and wisdom and stuff have a lot of authority they scare you because they're not average people you know what I'm saying it just it's just that way. But, but try to be around the extraordinary and get what you can from those individuals. And when you need help, rely on God's people to have a gift, an ability, a knowledge, a talent, a connection, a skill, or something like that. Because you're entitled to help from God's people. You're not entitled to help from the world. But you are entitled to help from God's people. That's why he makes us a family so that we can help one another. And so David is able to go and rescue Mephibosheth and the Bible says he ate at the king's table all the days. That's where he belonged. Amen. He belonged. He was an heir. He belonged at the king's table. And and even the property that that family owned came to him. He had servants that went out and worked that property and they stayed on the property and bought the money. He died a very rich man in the palace where he actually belonged because of God and his covenant and his ability to help him through David. Amen. So never underestimate these covenant friendships, folks. We are a family of God. Don't underestimate that person sitting next to you on your row, to the right or to the left. Esteem one another very highly in love. Amen? Because these are everlasting friendships. They are are forged in the blood of Jesus to never be broken. They are forged for us to hold on to, for us to appreciate one another, appreciate the strengths of one another. I could go down the row and, and tell people what things I see that they have in God that are highly valuable. 
to, to God and to the body of Christ, you know. There's certain things that we, we hold on the inside of us that, that, that are treasures, you know, in God. Sheree has great compassion for sick people. You understand what I'm saying? In, in that she can minister and God will open doors for her to talk to people in, in carnal atmospheres. You know, so that she can can get in there and, and understand God and, and understand what He wants to do with people and be bold about it and tell people exactly what God will do for them. Amen. Maria, I see her repost my my posts on Facebook. I said, No, she's stealing from all this stuff. But but she reaches out to her own friends, who largely are Hispanic people that we may not ever ever reach. Amen. But she always puts my name at the bottom, so they know. they'll say stuff like Chica. You you wise? I said, Wait 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 wait. Which Chica are you talking about? Chica, where Chica there? <laughs> you know, Diane will come up with the most appropriate things to say to people. She doesn't say much, you know, at, at, at times, and, and but it's always appropriate. It's like, man, that was just the right thing to say to that sinner. She'll approach anybody and give them the wisdom of God and pray with them. You know, I can go down the road for everybody here. You know, but we need to appreciate these things about one another. Amen. And let them stand out more. Because that person's your help. When your storm comes, that person is your help. Amen. So we'll hold on to that. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to know and appreciate your love and know and appreciate one another. Lord, I thank you that we we just are awestruck at how you placed everything in your body that's needed for strength, encouragement, that's needed for gifts of healing. Gifts of wisdom, knowledge, understanding. All the gifts of the Spirit are here in your body, Lord. And the Holy Spirit distributes them as He wills. And that's so wonderful. So wonderful that they are under authority when we minister. So we thank you, Lord. We honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on.